Hello and welcome to the Conflict Skills Podcast. I'm your host, professional mediator, Simon Good. In today's episode of the podcast, I'm going to be talking about how to deal with rude co-workers. So if you have people who you work alongside, or maybe you're a manager or a team leader, and you've got some staff who tend to be a little bit too, as we say in Australia, full on, then this is the episode for you. I'll talk about some specific steps that you can take to plan initially, as well as some steps or options to address the issue with a gradually escalating level of assertiveness. Before we get into that topic though, just a big thank you as always for listening. Please consider leaving a positive review on whichever platform you're listening to the podcast on. Consider subscribing. I use this podcast as a way of distributing and developing, I guess, resources and tools that can be used for dealing with conflict, both in workplaces and work situations, as well as in personal relationships, uh, friendships, parenting, that kind of thing. If you'd like to learn more about me and the training programs that I offer, you can visit my website, simongood.com. It's S-I-M-O-N-G-O-O-D-E.com. So I suppose in terms of dealing with co-workers or staff who are particularly rude, the first step that I would often suggest when I'm doing coaching with people around conflict is to identify the actual behaviors that are happening. When we start with a label that's negative and to some extent generalizing, like this is a rude person, it limits the options that we have for responding. It tends to elicit more negative emotions from us in terms of our reaction. And what it means is that we might inadvertently turn to unhelpful ways of dealing with the issue, like avoiding the person, for example, or tolerating negative behaviors, or maybe even responding in kind, often after a period of potentially bottling it up for a while before we erupt. So what is the person actually doing? And I often suggest that it's helpful to write this down. It slows down our thinking, but when we externalize it and we see it written down on a piece of paper, we can more readily reflect on it and identify themes or connections. And it's just different when you see your own thoughts written down and you have a chance to look at them. It sort of just inherently prompts this meta analysis and in my experience, helps people to create distance from the emotional reactions that are associated with this particularly challenging person that you're dealing with. So once you've written down the specific things that they're doing, you can either go chronologically or make a list just off the top of your head. Maybe even think about them in different contexts, like when they're at their worst, what is it that they're doing that's particularly jarring? And then are there little smaller things that are happening on a day-to-day front that tend to contribute to a buildup of tension for you, like they keep clearing their throat or something like that. The other thing that you might notice from just coming up with this list of behaviors is that you start to almost develop potential options for responding, like the person who's clearing their throat once I've written down that that's actually something that's really annoying. You know, immediately I think, well, maybe I could bring my noise cancelling headphones if I'm working alongside them, or I could ask them to stop, or I could offer them a lozenge. Um, I could complain, I could ask to be transferred to a different shift or a different department. There's all sorts of different options that might come to mind, depending on the particular issue that you're dealing with. But allow that to happen 
What we don't want at the beginning of this type of a a problem-solving process is to be too closed. We don't want to too quickly jump to a solution or identify an option. The goal at this stage is just to be open. Let's just reflect on it and think about how it's all sitting before we make any decisions. So once you've identified the actual behaviors that are causing the issues, the next step that I often walk people through in my coaching process is to think about the impact that this is having on you. Now, we can almost classify this as two different categories, but again, I would start just with a massive brain dump, just an overall list of what are the things that are affecting you and what's that impact that it's having. Some of these will be actual impacts, like it is hurting your chances of promotion or it's causing you to spend more time doing simple tasks because your boss won't listen to any feedback once he's got an idea in his head. It's like his way or the highway, that type of thing. And there's a practical cost to that. It's time or a chance of promotion or whatever else. Other people's view of you might be impacted. Maybe it's just causing you a lot of stress. But there will also be other impacts more on the emotional side of things, either social or emotional. So it's things like I feel embarrassed or I feel frustrated or I'm just exhausted or I find it very distracting or I feel I hate being the odd one out or I don't like the fact that they feel like they can walk all over the top of me and they treat other members of the team differently and they have more respect for them. So once you sort of figure out what that impact is, in that second list, I think a lot of the time there are options for just either managing the symptom of that stress or just letting it go. So you might recognize the fact that this is embarrassing when you know this person loudly gives you negative feedback in front of the rest of the team. At the same time, given the fact that it only happens every few months and you can sort of easily figure out that it's related to when this person's at work hungover or something like that, maybe there's an option for you just avoiding them if you get wind that they might be in this kind of a mood rather than going in and having a one-on-one and this massive dramatic confrontation just might not be something that you're up for. So thinking about what's the impact that it's having allows us to gauge what's at stake So that as we then go through the option of, uh, sorry, the process of evaluating the options that we come up with, it almost gives us a little bit of an external criteria that we can use. I don't mean like a checklist or scoring it out of 10 or something like that. Although I suppose that would be an option if you'd like to do it in that more analytical way. But having those things written down in front of us, our brain will naturally draw the connection between the things that are important to us. And we might even start to realize if this is the impact that it's having, well, what would we like more of? If it's the level of frustration that's causing us a problem, I would like more clarity. If it's the delays and, you know, the fact that this person just never replies unless I threaten them and CC in my boss, then what I'm looking for is more prompt communication or regular updates or knowing what to expect. As we start to identify what we want more of, that's really helpful because it helps us to generate the requests that we're going to use. Could you do more of this? And as I start to talk through in the next section, the steps to address it, an important part of that will be clarifying and setting expectations. What do you actually want from them? And what are you prepared to offer or do in return? So once you've written down the patterns in their behavior, as well as the impact that it's having, you might again, either write or just reflect on your goals. How does this rude person that you're dealing with sit 
in amongst the other priorities that you're managing at the moment. And that might be on the work and the family front. If you've got young kids or you've got a family member who's going through health challenges, maybe this isn't the right time to pick a battle with this person that you work alongside of that's been a problem for the last three years. Maybe you can let it go for a couple of months before dealing with it. If there's a promotion that's coming up, maybe this is a particularly critical period and you don't have time to spend dealing with these delays from this person that's causing issues just by their rude communication. But pausing and considering what's most important helps us to respond in a way that's strategic. And you might also think about what's called the circle of control. What are the things that you can actually affect, that you're responsible for? It's often the way that you communicate with them but it could be who else you bring into the communication, like CCing in your boss or escalating to a formal complaint about the person if it's something to do with the way that they're communicating with you and you feel like it it, uh, warrants some type of an investigation, like it would be classified as bullying, for example, or abusive behaviour. If we go through and think about all of the options that we have, again, that helps us to really respond in a strategic way rather than rushing in and doing something that later on we end up regretting. So we think about our goals. We've thought through the circle of control. In most workplace conflict situations, the initial advice that I often give people is to just create distance and avoid this person where possible. I think in so many cases where I'm doing a mediation and there's two people who are at each other's throats, the problem is that they're just having too much to do with each other. (laughs) A lot of the time there's ways of simplifying processes or structures or decision-making or communication, which means that maybe there's the ability to clarify expectations around some of those things up front, delegating authority, having a set process that you'll use, that type of thing. So creating distance and avoiding each other, and that will also mean using structure as much as possible to deal with the issues. So if this person's particularly rude when they're on the phone to you, maybe just try and use email for communication in the short term or suggest that you have a meeting and if they're rude just during conversation, maybe formalize it by having your laptop in front of you and taking notes or having a pre-written agenda or CCing your boss into the record of the minutes from the discussion. These are all options and depending on the situation, you'll need to think about what's appropriate for you. But what we're wanting to do is to think about how can we use structure to fix this conflict or improve our experience of dealing with this rude person without us needing to invest too much of something that's important to us, whether that's effort or time or stress or energy or whatever else it might be. So I would categorize all of those different steps that I've talked about so far in the analysis and planning stage. When I'm doing full day workplace conflict resolution training, I often talk about analytical tools that we can use, the different lenses to understand the situation, the personality types, the types of conflict, etc. I suppose we're doing the same thing here at a more micro level, just pausing and thinking about the bigger picture. What are the factors that are involved and what are our options? So assuming that nothing that we've come up with so far has resolved the issue, we haven't found the ability to just let it go or to use structure so that we don't have to talk to this person anymore, we do need to continue to deal with them. And let's imagine that they continue to be rude. Well, what we'll need to do then is to think about steps to address the issue. And as I mentioned earlier, I tend to think about this in a way that's 
gradually ratcheting up the level of assertiveness that we use. I don't want to jump right in and give a massive ultimatum and a big threat and yell and scream and posture and blow my top, so to speak, express a whole bunch of emotion. If that doesn't solve the issue, a lot of the time then I've painted myself into a corner because I've threatened to you know, notify the CEO or fire them or something and then all of a sudden the unfortunate reality sinks in that I don't have the authority to fire them or whatever it is. And now I need to backpedal and find a way to salvage what's left of my authority, not to mention my ego in amongst all of that. So the first step then in terms of addressing someone who's being rude to you, I think is actually adding more of what the quality is in the relationship that you're looking for. If you're wanting them to be more respectful of you, I would think about options for being overly respectful of them. If you'd like clarity around expectations or more structure or a commitment to meet deadlines, then the first thing that you'll need to add is a really clear emphasis and input from your end that this is something that you are investing in. This tends to create a reciprocal pattern And at the least, what it does is prevent things from getting worse. What you don't want to do is to reciprocate their negative behaviours and respond in kind, which means that they then might become even worse. So you should look for opportunities to add more of the thing that you're looking for. Hey, Margaret, it would be really helpful for me if we could maybe use an agenda so that we can have our meetings be a little bit more efficient. I'd be happy to do that if that's helpful or I've attached a possible template. Of course, you're welcome to change it as you see fit. Uh, Could you let me know what you think about this? Maybe we could discuss when we meet next week. We look for opportunities to add more of what we want. And then the next step is to set expectations to really clarify this is what I want from you. So this is the type of communication that I expect. This is how I expect to answer the phone or say good morning to one another or whatever it is. Sometimes being quite specific about that, like when I've got my music on when I'm working uh, and I go to the bathroom and come back and it's off, you know, I'm getting the message that it's not okay that I listen to it. I'm happy to discuss it if the music's distracting or annoying for you. But when you come in and turn it off, I'm, I'm sure this isn't how you intend this, but I I do interpret that as a bit rude. So it might be saying, look, this is the way that I'm experiencing it. And if you notice my music's on and I duck to the bathroom, could you either leave it on or ask me to turn it off? Or would you like me to let you know when I'm leaving or to wear headphones even if that's going to solve the problem from the word go? So clarifying expectations and that's where writing down the other person's behavior becomes particularly helpful Because we've got a list of the specific things that they're doing. They're talking over the top of us. They're raising their voice. They're calling us sweetie and darling and honey all the time or whatever it is. And so then we can set those expectations. Look, this isn't the kind of language that I consider appropriate and professional in a modern workplace. I know there's different organizational norms around all of this and each person have a different set of values that they use. But on my end, that's something that I do experience as being to some extent demeaning. So I'm wondering if you would use a different way of talking to me. So clarifying expectations, and that will often involve asking for what you want. I'm very surprised as a mediator how frequently an issue hasn't actually been discussed explicitly. Someone expects that the other person should understand something because it's common sense or it's the organizational policy or everyone else does the right thing. And I say to them, have you ever actually asked them to stop? 
Or have you ever made sure that they understand that this is important to you by telling them to do it? And a lot of the time they haven't. So maybe you could say something like, look, I'm happy to help when you need something, but it's tricky for me when I'm in the middle of a task and I need to immediately stop when you knock on my door. Could you shoot me a message when you need help and I'll come to your desk when I'm able? It should usually be within the next five or 10 minutes. How does that work for you in terms of this type of thing? So we ask for what we want. When you need help, could you please send me a message instead of knocking on my door? Now, if the rude person continues to do the wrong thing, we would need to confront them. And the challenging thing often here is to decide what warrants confronting them about. Like there's this slippery slope of passive aggressive patterns of communication, I think, and little comments and stuff that's I suppose technically maybe inappropriate, but you can very easily imagine the conversation playing out when you go and talk to the other person and they say something like, what's the big deal? You're overreacting. And I suppose if you think about that incident in isolation, it probably does seem like it's overreacting. Whereas in your experience, you're thinking about the bigger picture and the pattern of having to deal with this person. So I would often say that you should consider confronting the other person anytime a significant boundary is crossed. We should balance it with just being accommodating or avoiding and with rude people, you will need to do more than your fair share or more than their fair share of avoiding and accommodating with them. They're unlikely to change in most situations, most of the things that they're doing that are rude. It's my experience. It's probably the way that they were brought up or their neurobiology or who knows what's happened to them. But In any case, I don't think these types of rude patterns of behavior often quickly change unless it's something like chronic pain or something that might be causing it. So which behaviors then do you decide to respond to? I think it's when a significant boundary is crossed. And for me, that's about what's at stake. Like what's the cost of this? I don't mind doing a 10 minute extra task, even though technically it's something you should be doing yourself. But if it's going to be over 30 minutes, that's the point where I'll notify your manager and get you to do it instead, bounce it back to you effectively. Or for me, I'm happy to, for you to talk rudely to me when it's a one-on-one private conversation. But if you do that and there's other people there, especially senior members of the management team, then to me, that's something that's not okay. So sometimes you can think about these ahead of time, but in a lot of cases, I think it's more challenging. You're in more of a dilemma. You're not exactly sure whether to deal with it or not. And in those situations, I would think about what's it costing you or what's at stake in terms of the real stakes, not just feeling embarrassed or annoyed, but what would the actual impact on you be, like lasting impact for more than a week or two, for example, and then deciding whether or not this warrants the options that you have for response. And at the beginning, it might be something like, what ask check, like this is what you've done, can you do this differently, would that be okay? I don't appreciate you calling me darling, could you please just use my name or refer to me by my title, would that be okay moving forward? Are there any issues with this on your end? But then if they continue to do it, you'll eventually need to give them an ultimatum. So I would consider options for escalating, like including more senior people, putting something in writing, maybe considering a formal complaint type of process, but I think in a lot of workplace relationships, that's to some extent the last straw. That might be the final ultimatum. 
I just want to be clear that if this language that you're using doesn't change, I'll notify human resources and make a formal complaint. Or if you can speak to me differently, as I've requested, we don't need to worry about any of those types of processes, if that is something that you're willing to agree to. But we do that ultimatum in a way that's like the negative thing, the thing they're doing wrong first, followed by the positive thing or the thing that we want them to do. So can you please stop doing this? If it doesn't change, this is what the consequence would be. Or if you can do this better thing, speak to me differently, be on time, whatever, then this is the better consequence for you. Even if it's something like you won't need to worry about any of that coming across your desk. So thank you so much for listening. I hope that that's been helpful for you thinking about some of those steps for planning as well as dealing with co-workers who are particularly rude. Again, if you're willing to leave a positive review, especially if this podcast has been helpful for you and consider subscribing, I would be incredibly grateful. All the best managing the conflicts that you're dealing with in the short term. Bye for now.